as I have gotten older and as I have been preaching for so long now, well, it seems long to me anyway. It's been about a little over 10 years now, 12 years, something like that. Uh, but anyway, uh, I've learned that I can't go back and pick up my old outlines and preach them again. I have to just make a new one because my preaching style has changed quite a bit. Uh, but anyway, the invitation of Jesus. As we look at the invitation of Jesus, one of the greatest invitations that we read in Scripture are the words of Matthew 11 and verses 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. These are words that I'm sure that we're all familiar with in some way or another. And maybe it is that you've already accepted this great invitation. Maybe you've already come and given your life to Christ in obedience, repentance, confession, and baptism for the remission of sins. But maybe it is that you've pondered accepting this invitation. Maybe you've never been offered the Lord's invitation to come. But wherever you find yourself in relation to these words, this invitation is open to all. And the invitation is offered to you today. This is an invitation that can only be offered by Jesus. We often say that, that we are offering the invitation and it's not our invitation to offer, but it is the Lord's. And so... Whenever we do offer the invitation, we are extending the Lord's invitation for you to come. And it is He that invites you to come. And as He offers this beautiful invitation, it is in Him that we find the way to rest and peace. True rest and peace. As we read in John 14 and verse 6. So if you have never responded to the Lord's invitation, today would be a good day to do so. Our lesson is about the invitation that the Lord gives. And so we'll ponder the thoughts of Matthew 11 together. If you would like to turn there and follow along with us, we're going to stay almost completely in this text today. Matthew 11, we're going to begin... Verse 20. We ask the question, to whom was the invitation offered? We understand that it is offered to all people, but, but to whom was it offered originally? Let's look at Matthew 11 and verse 20. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. 
But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. We understand that this invitation was originally offered to the Jews who up to this point had been unwilling to repent. That was Jesus' mission in coming to earth. When He came, He didn't come preaching the gospel plan of salvation. But He came preaching a message of repentance. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it was. And so as Jesus came preaching, He came preaching to the Jews who had forgotten or who had neglected God. And so He is offering this invitation to them. It is an invitation for them to return to God's service before it is too late for them to respond. We read of of different cities here, different places. Chorazin and Bethsaida are condemned for being unwilling to repent. And Jesus compares them to Tyre and Sidon. We read of the condemnation of Tyre and I think three or four different passages, but one of those is in Ezekiel chapter 26 and beginning with verse 14. Ezekiel 26 and verse 14. I will make you like the top of a rock. You shall be a place for spreading nets, and you shall never be rebuilt. For I, the Lord, have spoken, says the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God to Tyre, Will the coastlands not shake at the sound of your fall? When the wounded cry, when slaughter is made in the midst of you, then all the princes of the sea will come down from their thrones, lay aside their robes and take off their embroidered garments. They will clothe themselves with trembling. They will sit on the ground, tremble every moment, and be astonished at you. And they will will take up a lamentation for you and say to you, How you have perished, O one inhabited by seafaring men, O renowned city who was strong at sea, she and her inhabitants who caused their terror to be on all her inhabitants. Now the coastlands tremble on the day of your fall. Yes, the coastlands by the sea are troubled at your departure. We see that that Tyre was a condemned city because of their refusal to serve God. Capernaum is also mentioned here and, and it was given probably a worse comparison than Tyre and Sidon. They were given the comparison of Sodom. Sodom is well known for its wickedness. Wickedness that ultimately led to its destruction along with Gomorrah. In Genesis 19, Abraham, bargaining with God for the sake of Sodom and Gomorrah, 
said this in Genesis 18 and verse 32. Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak, but once more, suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. See, as we look at the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, the only righteousness that could be found in the city was in one family, the family of Lot, who were warned to leave. And we know the story, we know that they did leave. However, one looked back, and Lot's wife was turned famously to a pillar of salt. In Genesis 19, and beginning with verse 27, we read this. Genesis 19 and verse 27. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and told all the land of the plain, and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land, which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities to the, the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. As we look at these cities, one of the greatest problems that they had was pride. They were proud of what they had become. They were proud of, of who they were. But it was their pride that came between them and God and it was ultimately their downfall. As we look at Capernaum, several of Jesus' miracles are mentioned as being from Capernaum. We think of the centurion's servant who was healed in Matthew 8, verses 5-13. Peter's mother-in-law and many others who were sick or distressed were healed. Matthew 8, verses 14 and 15. And it's the appearance of the, the coin to pay taxes in Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27. But out of all the things that had been done in, in Capernaum, it was not enough to push the city itself to repentance. And so they are given this invitation by Jesus to come. Again, the cities listed were, were proud of who they were and what they had become. Jesus' warning was for them to humble themselves before they were humbled like the cities that they were compared to. As we get to verse 25, we read of a prayer. A prayer of Jesus Matthew 11 and verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. 
Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. The knowledge Jesus spoke of was not hidden from the prideful because God did not want them to repent. God is unwilling that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 and verse 9 but these things were, were hidden from them instead because of their own arrogance and refusal to repent and follow Christ. Jesus was thankful that some, having understood the significance of repentance, were willing to surrender themselves to the service of God. And as we read in this prayer... No one knows the Son except through His Father. And no one knows the Father except through His Son. Jesus Himself said in John 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. The only way that we can come to the Father or come before Him is through Jesus. It is only through Jesus that we come to know the Father and His will for us. To know Him, we must humble ourselves before Him, renouncing whatever pride may have filled our lives and our hearts. In Luke 14, verse 11, Jesus says, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. James 4.10 Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Humility is what God is seeking, and that's what Jesus was praying for. That they would put aside their pride and answer this invitation, surrendering, surrendering themselves to God. Jesus' prayer is also a reminder of another. What is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer, but I would refer to it more as a model prayer. That's exactly what it was. It was a model. It was a model for the disciples to learn how to pray. But in Matthew 6, beginning with verse 9, In this manner therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A good description here is made of the kingdom that was to come when Jesus offered them this prayer. The kingdom is that the will of God be done on earth just as it is in heaven. And so Jesus offers this as a model for us to pray as well. That His will be done in our lives, in our existence, 
while here on earth, just as His will would be done in heaven. Then we come to verse 28 of Matthew 11. Verse 28, the great invitation. We'll read it again. Come to me. Come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. As we look at this invitation that is given, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Do you ever long for rest? Maybe you've had a a long and trying day. Maybe you've done a a lot physically, maybe mentally. But for whatever reason, sometimes we're tired, aren't we? And in need of rest. And when we think of rest, we often think of it as sleep. Sometimes it's it's good. I, I enjoy taking a nap now and then. Just to rest. And sometimes that helps me. Even just five or ten minutes sometimes can, can go a great distance in the rest of my day. When we think of, of rest from our labors, sometimes we, we spend so much time working and, and it's good to take maybe a week or two's vacation to get away from the hustle and bustle of life and just rest. Rest is important. And if we really think about it from a human perspective, we realize that that rest is essential. Because what happens if you stay awake for way too long? It can be life-threatening. I remember, it's been some years ago, but there was some kind of a video game tournament or some kind of a bet that was involved. and, And there was someone who stayed up for a very long time. And they died from that. Rest is essential for us. We need rest from our labors. But the rest that Jesus is talking about is not sleep. It's, there's something different about this rest. When Jesus promised rest, what He is promising is a lighter yoke. Whenever we think of a yoke, we think of oxen. Now, I don't know any of this from personal experience, okay? This is just what I've studied. But whenever you put a yoke on an animal, it helps them to do the job. It helps them to to pull a plow or something of that nature, and that yoke is, is used to harness them to it and to do the work that is necessary. And when Jesus is saying, I will give you rest, He also says in the next verse, take my yoke, Upon you, His rest is not the rest of sleep. But it, it's a rest of work. But it's an easier work. It's a lighter load for us to bear than what we would have otherwise. We are still given responsibility in this life. 
Whenever it comes to resting, it doesn't mean that we go to sleep and, and we wake up in heaven. There's much to be done in this life, and that's what Jesus is saying. So when He is offering rest, He is offering a lighter yoke. We are still given a yoke to bear. But it's a different yoke. It's not a burdensome yoke. Giving credit where it is due. I, I had a friend of mine that, that mentioned a, a sermon that was preached by David Young on this very subject. And so I went back and found it and watched it. And there, there was something that he said that, that really stuck with me. Something that, that just seemed to click. One of the things that he said about the yoke was that the yoke fits. The yoke fits. It is not too big or small. And it is not too heavy to bear. But it is one that fits. It fits us. It fits the work that we are given to do. And the work that we are given to do is made easier because the yoke fits us. And it fits the job that we need to do. If you have a yoke on an animal that doesn't fit, that's too big or too small, it's going to make that job harder to do because you're going to have to fight the animal to keep moving. But the yoke that Jesus provides fits us and it fits our every need. Jesus' promise was not that our burdens would be taken completely away from us. And we may not understand why we, we bear certain burdens, but we do understand that they are necessary for this life and that Jesus helps us to bear them. The promise is that the yoke that Christ offers us is easier to bear. And I believe that is because Jesus helps us to bear it. We're not bearing this burden alone. We're no longer working toward our own good on our own. And sometimes that's the greatest burden is trying to take care of everything on our own and we have to realize that, that physically and mentally and spiritually that we cannot bear our burdens alone. So Jesus offers us a lighter yoke. One that He helps us to bear. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Some translations may say learn of me. But the same, same thing is said here. A few years ago, I had a friend of mine that I worked with at Sportscom. And he was older. He, he worked at a farm for, for quite some time. And one year he, he said, I can't do it on my own. I need some help. And so he talked to the one who owned the land. And she agreed to, to allow him to bring in an assistant. And I said, hey, I'll come and help you. Said, okay, well, come on. And so I did. 
And we, we still joke about this because whenever he took me on as his assistant, he didn't realize that he was really making his burden harder. Because there was a lot that I had to learn. Uh, even the first day, he gave me a weed eater and I wasn't sure exactly how to weed eat. And so he had to, to come and show me how to swing it. And I'll just wait there for the, the blade of grass. you got to swing it. And there were many other lessons that, that he taught me in that. And, and he about got ran over in the process on one occasion. But we, we had some good times. But it was about learning. There was much to be done in learning. And so Jesus says here, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. One of the things that I, I remember from my friend is that he was very patient with me in teaching me all of these things. I, I learned not only how to use a weed eater, I learned how to put gas in something, I learned how to, to mend fences and things of that nature, and it was one of the greatest summers of my life. But he was very patient with me in teaching. And when I think of Jesus and him saying, learn from me, I think of great patience and an awesome teacher. Think of how he was with his disciples, how patient and loving he was toward them. Part of the responsibility given us is learning the Father's will for us. And learning His will, we are to do His will until the end of life or judgment, whichever comes first for us. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We still have a yoke to bear. We still have our burdens. We still have trials on a daily basis, things that, that we don't always understand. But now, in surrendering to Christ, He helps us to bear our load. What burdens might you be bearing because you're wearing the wrong yoke? The, the opposite of the yoke of Christ would be the yoke of the world. And often we find ourselves bearing a worldly yoke on our own. Maybe you're bearing burdens of guilt. Guilt over something that, that you realize that, that you've done that, that, that is wrong. Something that, that maybe you've wronged a friend, but you bear that guilt. And you try to bear that burden on your own. Maybe it's a, a burden of addiction of some kind. And you're bearing that yoke alone. Maybe it's a, a burden of worry. Jesus uh, teaches us in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, I believe. 
about worry. And not worrying, not, not putting too much worry on ourselves because God will provide for our daily needs. Don't worry about those things. I will take care of you. But many times we, we put ourselves in worry bearing a worldly yoke. Maybe it's a, a burden of pain or hurt. Maybe you hurt over something that, that has been done to you by someone else. Maybe it's hurt over some kind of a loss in your life, but you're bearing that burden alone. If you are wearing a worldly yoke, that yoke will not fit and you cannot bear it alone. And that's why Christ offers us His yoke because His yoke fits us. And He helps us to bear those burdens. You do not have to bear your burdens alone. And if you are a Christian, you do not bear those burdens alone. You have brothers and sisters in Christ who are willing to help you bear your burdens if necessary. And you have Christ. And you have God. Jesus is offering you rest from these burdens so that you will be given burdens that you can bear. Burdens of discipleship and sharing the love of Jesus with a world that doesn't know Him. When we are faced with the burdens of the world, Jesus is there to help us bear them with faith and trust in Him. So Jesus invites you also. Yes, this was originally offered to the Jews in, in, in an effort to bring them to repentance, but it's the same invitation that He offers for us. Come to Me. Come to Me. And Jesus invites you to take upon you His yoke. And if you do, when you do, you will find rest for your souls. If you don't know where to turn, Jesus is the answer. And so, as we go back to where we began in this lesson, if you're in need of responding to the Lord's invitation, if you have never given your life to Christ, then we would offer you that opportunity. Maybe it is that you've never, or you've not been faithful as you should be, as you know you should be. And maybe you need to return to serving Christ. But whatever your burden is today, Whatever you're dealing with that you're trying to deal with it on your own. Know that Christ wants to help you. And we want to help you. And so today, we offer you the Lord's invitation. If you're in need of responding, we would encourage you to do so as together we stand and as we sing. Days 
heart filled with sorrow and care. Hearts are lonely and drear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Burdens are lifted at Calvary.